This podcast contains adult content, so if you've got little ears in the car, you may want to turn it down. We also go deep into the emotional, spiritual, and energetic worlds, so please open your hearts and proceed with care. As soon as your outer vestments are in hand, I know you're easy. Even when you're a woo 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 Welcome to the Woo Woo Verse. It is a deep dive into, you know, energy and like soul awakening and spiritual shit and like past life stuff, crystal things, defunding the police and other stuff. But you don't necessarily talk about at parties unless we're there. Uh, I'm Kira Lee. And I'm still Annette. <laughs> and we are your hostesses with the mostesses. How you doing out there, Elle? I'm taking it slow, taking it easy. 2020 is really heating up. It's really, it's got oh some God. gas. And we have days until an American election. So we are in big times, my friend. Chiron is moving through, isn't it? Have you seen all the lightning bolts going through Capitol Hill and behind no. the Statue of Liberty and they're quite no. ominous. And I yeah, okay. Yeah, and yeah, I'm doing okay, but I can really feel the amping up of things mm, at the moment. Yeah, yeah. And how about you? Are you out there? Yeah, I'm out there. <laughs> I'm out there. I think I recently, no, I know that I recently did a second stage of grief. So that's been a really big processing for me this year is is grief for the whole world and everything we're all going through and that's really what COVID has stirred in me and then I think I kind of got it to the point where I was like it's over we're done we can move on now amazing even though we all know a second wave comes and then here in Australia the second wave came and Melbourne locked down again and that's kind of my second hometown and the grief came back up again even though it wasn't me being locked down all of a sudden the grief of like we're still we've all lost so much as a result of this virus and it's not done yet there's more to be lost and that really knocked me on my ass a bit actually Mm. plus there was the um eclipse the lunar eclipse full moon oh that was was big and just how much work there is to do to bring everything back to balance and back to alignment Mm. I I think there are days it's very discombobulating there are days where the fatigue of just even thinking about how many more steps we're going to have to take is just overwhelming yeah I can really feel that intensity around Mm. where not everyone's in the same place and we're all trying to work out what to do next really and I think part of what's grinding me down as well is that one of the things we've all had to sacrifice this year is joy there just hasn't been much fun and spontaneity and joy because we've been focused on this crisis and getting things done and I am really feeling the lack of joy in my life at the moment and it's not like I'm fine it's fine but it's like the cherry on the top that's missing at the moment that I'm really feeling Yeah, you do notice that. I absolutely agree. And I also find it difficult to go and be joyful and pretend like everything's okay when I know people are trapped inside in their second wave in stage four lockdown. Even the Portland protests, they're still going every single day. And they have to. They have to keep going. Mm. But you you look at that and it's been like over 50 days and people are turning up and we've got wall of vets, wall of mums. People are gathering forces and resources to try and keep that going. That's an mm. enormous amount of energy that that's yeah. taking. And yeah. 
you know, we have to keep going. And I've been looking on my Instagram and social media and of course my eyes have expanded into what's going on with this Indigenous group and how what's going on with this argument and where's this and there's just mm. so many people fighting for so many important things yeah. that it is hard to just go, oh, it doesn't matter anymore. I saw this great meme that said my hand sanitizer experiment accidentally turned into a margarita what about that <laughs> and I thought I need to be trying to have some more fun with what I'm doing here yeah it's all so. the distilling process can go either way hand sanitizer or gin <laughs> who knows <laughs> it's all one. we're both a little mental today aren't we we're just yeah uh, is it the change of season I just had this moment where I was like hold on it's the change of season sometimes that does have a bit of an effect yeah. on my circadian rhythm yeah yep I'm really glad to blame my mentalness of today on something else but I don't think there's any explanation for it I think I'm just (laughs) having a day quite frankly having a day um which is interesting because today we're we're getting right in there and we're talking about the energy of alignment yeah so then this begs the question is the fact that I'm mental today actually my alignment uh or am I out of alignment maybe you're being realigned am I being realigned Let's diagnose me in real time, shall we? Um, what what even is alignment, Lynette? What do we talk about? It's one of those words that if, as a spiritual teacher or somebody who moves around in the spiritual world, if you had a dollar for every yes. time you heard alignment, you'd be rich. But what is it? Yeah, so, I mean, to be in line, right, essentially. But when we talk about spiritual alignment, we mean that we are operating, acting, intending thoughts, words, deeds through our highest understanding of our own personal values that are connected to a higher source, intelligent power, and that divine set of energies or values or laws. So when we're in spiritual alignment, it's kind of like every part of that higher order and lower order is working in one value system. And there's a difference between our values and our personality traits, isn't there? So you can be somebody, maybe a personality trait is yeah. that you're impatient or you're always late. That's very, that's not a value. Like yes. you can still be an impatient person, even if you are living in your deep values, which are more things like um, compassion and... Patience. Yes, and, yes. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because sometimes our values determine our personality and the way we act and the way we move through. But other times those personality traits are coming from sort of influence or even manner, mm. mannerisms. And so sometimes have you ever had someone who's quite looks quite abrupt or harsh and yet inside you go, oh, actually you're really a soft person and you're quite shy? Yeah, and often I, I t- tend to enjoy the people in my life who maybe have a set of personality traits that are a bit odd or weird, love the freaks, love them, and that's fine. Or like even I'm happy to put up with your personality traits as long as your values are in alignment. Like I can I yes. can really forgive personality traits that I don't agree with, yeah. but values that aren't aligned, I find very, very hard to get over. Yes. And actually it takes time to mm. discover and be with somebody for a while to see whether or not they actually live their in terms of their value system. Yeah. Because there's a lot of talking in this world so much isn't talking. there but not so much walking mm-hmm. walking the talk is harder I have had moments where I'm like I am shocked by the level of manipulation around a value system at a certain point you can actually know somebody for a really long time and still be shocked by the way they apply their value system to a certain situation it's not like once you see it it's forever it's like a reoccurring yeah 
ever-evolving experience. And same for us personally yeah, too. Yeah. You're constantly put in new situations where you have to receive that, I guess, in a bit, I hate the word test, but it comes up a little bit and you have to really go back to the original value. And we're multifaceted people. I don't always live in alignment with my values. I do my best. I absolutely do my best, but I have my days. I really like what you're talking about here because there was this big movement in the 90s where you kind of, if you were bendy and you wore certain clothing to yoga and you burnt the candle on a Friday and you did all of those things, then you were spiritual. Mm -hmm. Our understanding of spiritually aligned is so much more open now. It really has to do with less about what you're wearing and what you're um, necessarily affiliated with or who you've been taught under or any of those things. It's more about what you actually do with this energy in the world to the common person next to you or the day-to-day values or how you resolve a conflict or what you're prepared to hear about truth is big for me at the moment. It is everywhere. Yeah, it's come to me that this is one of the big deal breakers for me in my life at the moment. Are you prepared to sit in the fact that we don't know everything at the moment? Mm. We're in a very confusing time and some of the things that we've taken as absolutes may come under question. I think this is where the concept of woke comes in as well. And I know woke get, often mm. gets thrown around as a bit of an insult. In that It's that idea of opening up to different, like living in your values and not just, not just in your personal life, but asking the people in their public life to live in their values as well and really checking in with people about their values. There's this great Michael Franti mm. songline and what is it? I don't care. He's talking about politicians. You know, I don't care who they're screwing in private. Tell me who they're screwing in public. And I feel like that's kind oh, of the energy him. of woke is everybody standing up and going, yeah, but what do you really stand for? That's lovely that you've got yeah. the campaign slogan, but how do you treat the people around you? What are you really, oh, really doing? Yes. This is what we're talking about today. When we talk about alignment, we go and venture very deeply into the area of truth. And truth is the absolute energy that is eternal and consistent. And it's the intention, the truest intention. It's the golden nugget of intention that lives under everything else. And that's exactly what you're talking about. It doesn't shift. So, you know, what is that person's outward focus But what is their inner intention? We've all seen the babies been kissed by politicians, but really underneath it is their intention to serve and care for at the deepest level the people that voted them in and those that didn't vote them in. And are you in it actually to to better or are you like, are you in it to better the world or are you in it to better yourself? Is it just about power for you or is it about lifting people up? I have this beautiful friend and she says truth is like gold. It will always come to the surface. It doesn't happen overnight, but give it time, sift enough, and it will come to the surface. Two important points in there. One is that it takes time and you have to be prepared to do the sifting, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? But so many of us were brought up on a foundation of lies and hierarchy, Piscean age hierarchy. Yes, lies within our family, lies within the society. The amount of Mm. things you don't get told about what actually happened in your family until you're an adult and you're like, what? That's not what I believe to be true. I have actually taught several people in the last few years who actually started on their journey and we start by going back through what our family principles, values, truths are, what were the ones we accepted, what were the ones we've questioned, where do we sit with them now? Several people have actually discovered that they were not the child of the person who they thought was their parent during that process. They would say to me, I always knew at the deepest 
core of my being, but nobody spoke about it. That's massive. Yeah. And I realized over the years of teaching this and then having had done it myself is that you get bought up with a story. You get bought up with a, a vision. And in we, as we've been discussing, the Piscean age is very hierarchical. So you don't question the story, you don't question the vision. Yeah. So we're actually being bought up in a, in a state of sleepingness around truth. Mm-hmm. And what's starting to happen over the last years, 10 years, and what will have to happen in the age of Aquarius is that we are starting to try and become more brave about truths that we haven't discovered, questions we haven't had answered. It's going to be a time of digging, but you have to be very, very brave. And truth requires us to face our fear of what would happen if it wasn't true. Yeah, yeah. And to be uncomfortable, to be really uncomfortable and work through it. And that is the thing with truth as well, like you were saying, like it does always come to the surface. And if you want to be somebody who like lives in truth and seeks truth and stands your truth, you've got to play the long game. Like the amount of stories you hear about how somebody stood up for themselves or said this has happened and everybody was like, even somebody like Monica Lewinsky, who was the truth she was standing in when all of that went down, nobody was recognizing in the 90s that he was a powerful man, she was a victim, she was a young woman, and yet she was cast as the Jezebel. And she had to stand in her truth of, I am the victim here and not the perpetrator, for like a solid 20 years until the rest of the world caught up. So it's this crazy thing that we've, as a society, as families, as individuals, we have become concerned confused and stressed about opening doors having conversations examining things asking questions it's even become to a point where you could pretty much lay the truth out on the table and completely look like you're questioning it and it just doesn't go anywhere how do we get back to a place where truth actually means something that we learn how to find the truth within ourselves within our families within our world and then how does that then go on to create a new sense of trust and alignment and authenticity these are big questions it's interesting that you say get back to a place i don't think we've ever been in that place i think we're building that world when was the world like when has the world been where people of color's truth is accepted and women's truth mm. has been accepted it's always been like like i think this is something true, new really. that we are going to build and that yeah. this is the future that we're heading to where we actually accept the truth and we accept that everybody has their truth that it's not just the powerful people who get to decide the truth do you have friends that have different truths to you about really big things oh so many so many Yeah, so many, especially stepping into the spiritual world like we do. Like there's some people in my lives who are just like, there's nothing going on. We live and we're born and we die. I'll I'll accept that you have a job I don't understand and we can hang out. But it's like we just have to leave both our truths on the table and leave them there and like accept that we all we both have our own and we just let it be. So I've really undergone a transformation with that over the last few years. I used to see that you know like I was the one who was different and maybe I'm not everybody's cup of tea and and even used to let people kind of mock or tell me why I Mm. why I was wrong or why my ideas or my visions were stupid but now I am less inclined to be anywhere near those people I just it's not that I don't wish them well but I have no interest in wasting my time or investing my energy in feeling like I can placate someone's energy around 
not accepting my truth. If you accept my truth and say, look, we disagree yeah. and you want to have a discussion about it and it's completely on the table, you know, I'm really interested yeah. how you think that. Yeah. And I love this about you, but I don't love this. I'm okay about yeah, that. Yeah. That feels truthful to me. What I can't do is I can't sit there and pretend that there is a friendliness when there's actually an aggression or some level of negativity around what I believe or who I am. Yep. I will not do that anymore. And that's taken me 46 years, people. To like come into your alignment and live by your values and come to your sense mm. of your place of, um, mm. yes, really standing in your truth. Yeah. The, the truth is a tricky thing. When I was little, I had repressed so many horrendous sexual abuse memories even though they would play out in my dreams, it wasn't until I was about 21, 22 that I started to really understand that something was trying to come and tell me the truth, which is very strange if, if you've been psychic and you can't see a truth. In order for me to do my job, I was always going to have to see a lot of my truth that I hadn't been telling myself. So the first phase of my journey was excavating every bloody truth I'd never told myself. And people would just start sprouting truths at me and saying and ripping off Band-Aids and exposing wounds to me. This is an energy that we carry, isn't it? When we're around, people tell the truth to each other and they tell it and it can be really, especially somebody who stays in people's houses a lot and then I'm there and I'm at dinner and then all these truths come barreling out and I'm like, oh, this is me that's doing it even though I'm not saying anything. My frequency is encouraging a sense of truth, right? So it takes about three days usually and then there you go. When I was little and this happened to me, the first thing I had to do was sit with the fact that I had not been telling myself the truth. Yes. Right? I was too scared to tell myself that truth. It was the most terrifying truth. Then I had to tell myself who it was. Terrifying again because that person was idolized in my family. And then I had to go and tell everyone my truth. And that was not easy and it was not like the movies where it all goes well and everyone loved me and, and put their arms around me and said, we're so sorry. It was actually the most horrendous thing because I was destroying everybody else's reality. It actually truly was the thing that nearly killed me. I nearly did not survive that journey. And it's one of my deepest passions is to try and help people feel safe about the truth and questioning their truth and sitting with their truth and then learning how to express their truth because seriously, it sets you free. It changes your life. And it's, it's not an easy thing to tell yourself the truth, is it? It's no, why we like. It's why we lie to each other, lie to ourselves, and lie to each other, because we think we're just papering over it. Like that, actually, you can paper over it enough with the lies that you'll smooth the way. But that is the quality of the truth. It does always come through. You have to face it at some point. And in some ways, that's what's happened during this period of 2020. We've been living in a world that hasn't been in its universal mm. truth. And, and so it's much almost has been like revealed. The karma has come to roost and now it's all going to be revealed. And I think even beyond this, because, uh, you know, we've talked about this, that how are we going to move out of this? Is there going to be people trying to convince us not to be afraid now so that we come out of our house? Is there going to be convincings around all sorts of things? So what happens is that we then get to see another experience of how we're being governed around truth. And I often sound very antagonistic around this, but I think that it is really important to sort of look at the fact that every single person who has power to govern a lot of people, their 
truth needs to be questioned all the time. Their intention needs to be questioned. And within micro macro, you need to question your truth inside of yourself. You need to explore and excavate and bring it to the light within your family, within your community, within your country. This so this is one of the reasons I really struggle with Australia and one of the reasons I spent a decade away from Australia is because there is a dark there is a dark secret. There is a truth that Australia does as a country, as a political entity, doesn't want to acknowledge, which is that the land is stolen. And it has never publicly, even though it's known, it's not like this is a revelation, it's known, but it's never been acknowledged on a countrywide ne- level. It's never, the excavation work around that truth has never been done. And so there's no base yeah. for Australia to be built on or grow, fr- mm. grow from. So even though it's this beautiful country and there's so much money here and it's the lucky country, there is this dark mm. heart to Australia because we don't stand in alignment with our truth and our values. I feel that in so many places and you're absolutely right and I love that our children often describe the beginning of Australia as a colonised nation in a completely different way. The images that they're shown, um, as particularly by us, is completely different and I really hope that goes on to change that. I also read something the other day that really triggered me and I wanted to share it with Go you because we, I knew we were getting ready for this. This top scientist at NASA you know how much I love NASA this guy planetary science division director Dr Jim Green boasted that the agency was close to making some announcements about finding life on Mars but he said the world's not ready for it he said it'll be revolutionary it's like take the renaissance era he said it'll completely revolutionize the thinking it'll start a whole new line of thinking and he said I don't think we're prepared for the results we're just not he says it will get us questioning everything it'll turn the world upside down and it could make people go crazy and I thought wow who then is these people that are deciding when what how and why about what our truth and power is which raises the interesting question how do we know how to trust the truth And how do we rebuild trust when it's gone? Well, by definition, truth is unchangeable, eternal and consistent. So if you are questioning a truth, pull it apart, open a door, wish it around, run it through a few tests because you're going to come up with the same answer every single time. Mm -hmm. When I first meet somebody, they will tell me who they are. And you know that old quote from Mayor Angelo, she said, always listen to people. They tell you who they are. Believe them. I don't necessarily think they verbally tell you who they are, but I think they definitely tell you they are through their actions. If you watch for long, long enough, and I think in sex, love and addiction relationship recovery, it's about nine weeks and then nine months really to get to know somebody's full cycle. You start to see very, very strong patterns. And that's why I don't like to rush relationships. Because you either work out that you are compatible enough to work together and change and find assimilation or they completely are not across your set of values and they do not match. So truth will not change. The truth of the essence of that person and the truth of the essence of an experience or what it was does not change. It won't matter how many times you look at it from a different direction. It's always going to look the same. Trust is a different thing. So when you trust someone, you can trust in them or you can trust them. When you trust them, you're saying, I honor that there is a divine energy within you and I am trusting in 
the fact that you are divine. By design, you're human and you're divine. When you put your trust in someone, you're saying, I expect that you are going to act according to my needs, according to my expectation. If you trust someone and they break your trust, you'll probably say, look, they are both divine and human and they've acted according to their humanness, not necessarily their divinity. But if you put your trust in someone and they break it, you will be angry and disappointed and betrayed that they didn't meet your expectations. It doesn't mean equally you won't be hurt or you won't be sad, but you won't lament the fact that it's personal. The first one says, it's not personal. You're human and you've acted at your highest level of consciousness and awareness. The second one is, I put a series of expectations on you, you didn't meet them, and you've hurt me. It's complicated, but I hope it makes sense. Brene Brown has a really great way of talking about trust and how learning to trust people or really discerning who you should trust as well. As somebody who never had boundaries, I trusted way too many people with too many things and had to learn to be a bit more discerning. And she talks about, she explains it um, through a story about her daughter at school uh, the teacher at, at her daughter's school had a jar on the table and it was every time the students did something really good, the class did something really good, a marble would go in the jar. And when the marbles got to the top, there was a, a class party. And so she calls it the marble in the jar. So every time somebody shows you, you don't just hand them your trust. Yes. You like every time they do something little that shows you that they can be trusted, you pop a, you pop a marble in the jar. And then when the marbles get to a certain height, you're like, I'm ready to, I'm ready to share now. Here, I'll share something with me because it can be a bit chicken and egg. Do I share things with you to show that? So then you show me you can trust me? Yeah. That's where the trust in and trusting someone comes in. When you trust someone, you're saying, actually, I trust something bigger than you. Mm. I trust something divine in that divine order. If you as a human hurt me, I'll be okay. I've been watching. But the other one, you're literally tying value and protection and security and outcome to somebody and I think whenever you get into that territory you're very very vulnerable but we we have to learn that it's only once we become more conscious we learn to do that my teacher was very good at teaching me this where he was like well what do you need from that person because you'll be exchanging according to what you need be careful here and I think that's really important because if you truly have a bargain going on or a need the investment and the control of that person is so much stronger than if you have no need yeah I like I don't know how people get over really deep breaches of trust when you hear about the partner who had a second family for 20 years and and you didn't know that your partner had a second family or like the really I looked you in the eye and I told you something and actually I was doing something else the entire time, like that deep trail of breach. The Gottman Institute is a really good place to go and, and to look and explore around that because they do really great stuff around helping people rebuild relationships. Yeah, okay, great. From the understanding that people are human that we should not necessarily be putting our trust in them but we should trust them and that we need to learn as non-codependent people how to have relationships according to some kind of evolutionary status so you evolving in a relationship not perfect you're not going to remain perfect you're not going to always do the right thing or say the right thing now obviously there are different levels around that yeah right (laughs) 
whenever I've worked with somebody around this and we get to this place, there's been a deep rift in betrayal. It's interesting because the person that's betrayed them is one part of the story. So it's what, what happened, what did they tell you, what's all the energy around that? And we'll sit with that. But then what comes out of that is, and what do you want to do now? Do you want to give them another chance or is it time to say that's done? Mm. For most people, they will say, I don't really want to give them another chance to do that again, particularly because most people have given many chances by the time they get to that point. What we come back to on the other side is what do you feel about how you betrayed yourself? Were there signs? Were you missing them? Did you not want to ask the question about why were you walking the dog around the block for the third time in the evening (laughs) when clearly we don't even own a dog? Um, (laughs) And and why do I always notice that you have a locked pin code that I can't get into or, you know, several account names that seem to come to our inbox that I have no idea about? There are times when what we realize is, oh, my goodness, the person's trust I betrayed was myself. And I believed their truth, not my truth. Yeah. And I put my trust in them instead of me. Because if you put your trust in you and the divine, as soon as you see something that doesn't align, which is a marble in the other jar or or not in the jar, you say, I fully accept, acknowledge and see that that energy did not line up. It doesn't add up. It doesn't, there's something there and I'm not going to ignore it. And if you do that, the person that you're building trust with is yourself. So the way to get over breaks of trust is to acknowledge I was putting my trust and my truth in someone else. I wasn't owning it and taking responsibility and empowering myself with my truth. And that can be like the amount of mourning you might have to do if you realize that you've been, you haven't been backing yourself and you haven't been trusting yourself and you haven't been there for yourself. That can be so painful to realize that you let yourself down in that way. The truth, it's so complicated, right? Because it does set you free, but it does piss you off first. (laughs) It always comes to the surface, but it can stay hidden. We do so much work to keep it hidden for so long. There's a couple of places that that rule doesn't apply. One, if you were a child and your whole protection and security was based in somebody else's experiences, Mm, then, you know, and what they chose and what they did for you, then that is a complete betrayal of trust and often takes a very long time to heal because there was no way you could have put more trust in yourself to not be there. And that's often the guilt associated with a lot of childhood trauma. I have worked with a lot of people, for example, who have had partners who have been compulsive cheaters or sex addicts or drug addicts and their partner hasn't known and they've stayed together because the partner has chosen a life of recovery. And if you said to me, how does that person move through that? I will always say to them, you trust you, you trust your higher power. You were shown exactly what that person was doing, usually under the most phenomenal set of circumstances that you couldn't believe that could come together to show them that they were being lied to. You can pretty much be assured if they come off their recovery journey, you're going to know within 10 minutes. And you've got to believe it this time. The question is, have you written down what you will do once you know and will you trust yourself to follow through and protect your smallest, most vulnerable part of yourself? The minute you start saying, 
I have a bottom line. This is my value. This is my foundation. This is my rock I'm living on. This is the reason you're allowed to stay in my life. It's phenomenal how strong you become and how clear your vision becomes around what's true and what's not true. You get super sharp senses around "Mm, that doesn't add up. There's a defense around that. And you might just decide not to live in that anymore because you can't. You can't live in a lack of truth or a place where you can ask something that's been met with defense all the time. This is all very connected to the concept of authenticity as well. Truth, standing in your truth, alignment. If we describe somebody as being authentic, generally that's how they're living. Yeah, it means that those values, thoughts, words and deeds are all aligning. Now you feel the truth, you know it. When when someone says something to you and it adds up, energetically physically mentally and emotionally you honestly your eye doesn't pass over it you you're almost like oh yeah but the minute someone tells you a lie there is a zap there is a bam through your body either you've been taught to be positively awake to that and know how to manage the energy that comes with it to ask the questions to get to the truth and make a new decision or you've been taught to live in denial which so many people have if you've come from the boomer passive aggressive generation that's possible yeah for me it's generally i'll just be like this doesn't add up oh well i must be a bit dumb oh it's funny like this i'm reading the energy of this and I don't know what you're telling me. I believe you, but I don't know. I'm not really getting it. It must, I don't know, maybe I'm the problem. And then another piece of information will come through a back channel somewhere else that'll be the truth. And I'll be like, oh shit, that's why it doesn't add up. You're lying. <laughs> yeah, because it always comes, tries to come through. Yeah. Even in a reading, like someone might be 100% in the truth of what the story they're telling me, why they've done what they've done, how it happened, all of that. They're not lying. They're not manipulating the story. But the truth behind it is so much deeper and bigger and you can feel it. And usually once I relay it back to them, there's an emotion. So authenticity is very real. It's very earthed. It's very grounded. And and it's we've learned to foe authenticity on this planet. So it's a bit tricky at the moment. Mm, like performative authenticity. Yeah. We live in a world awash with faux authenticity, I think it's only going to be once we are okay about being more real, more uh, human, and everybody has varying degrees of what they want to share depending on introversion, extroversion, boundaries, whatever. But I think there has to be some level of not constructing life mm. on at, at some point, but that's a massive journey. And not, and not performing life, living life rather than performing it. Because great, it's yeah. lovely that we've got social media and we can show everybody who we are, but then even just in the act of showing who you are, it changes. It does change. Well, I read somebody once who said to me, my partner, my married partner of five years has never seen me without makeup. Yeah, wow. She would get up every single morning oh, that's and put on a full so face of makeup. And she's, when I read him, he said, I don't want to see her without makeup. Wow. And I remember thinking... Wow, you and I would never be together. We're not going to run away together. That wouldn't work. (laughs) Because I really struggle sometimes to put on my makeup and do my hair and put on a bra. Here's the golden nugget in this. Any spiritual journey really starts with knowing yourself, pulling yourself apart a little bit in a positive, beautiful, lovely, gentle way, but getting to ask the question, how do I perform 
where am I afraid where the truth meets the lie? What would I not want to know? Like, is there anything I am terrified of knowing? Um, Is it about my mum and dad, about my, the religion I was brought up in around my, my political beliefs I was brought up in? What about the way I am as a woman? What about my sexual energy? Is there anything terrifying me that I'm like, la, 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 and gently go towards that was the best, best advice I have. Do you get that a lot with people who kind of come forward for a reading and they're like, I'm here, but I'm not ready to book, but I'm here, but I'm not ready for it yet. And then eventually they'll go, look, I've been wanting to do this for a really long time, but I'm scared. I'm scared about what I'm going to be told. I'm scared of the truth. In the beginning, I 100% used to have people going, hi, I'm here to check you out. I'm here to check this out. Now I have people who go, okay, baby, give it to me. And they know that I'm going to come in like a ton of bricks at times because the truth is, you know, when you've been doing this for 20 years, you don't really get to sit on the edge of truth. If you've watched Carolyn Meese, she kind of started off like teaching. Now she's just like, babe, that's a lie. You get out of there. That is not going to keep you healthy. It's not going to work. It's, I'm sorry. It's what I love about Iana Van Sant as well. She's just like, here's like, nobody can tell the truth like that woman. Here it is. You're a mess. Get it together, lady. Well, the reason is when you've sat in front of so much story, yeah. you know, but I love him yeah. and, and I just want to have this and I just want to do this. Yeah. Or why am I not getting pregnant? Okay. There has to be, you've done all of this. Let's, the doctors are telling you there's nothing wrong. What's going on? Oh, hold on a minute. Can I just check how much your partner wants this? Yeah, Does yeah. your, is your partner really ready to give up life 24 seven? No. And has a raging pot addiction. No wonder yeah. this is not happening. Okay, is he prepared to give up the pot in order to get the sperm swimming the right way? No. So this poor woman is working triple time to get her eggs and her body and her energy and truth in alignment. She's so in alignment, but he's kind of out there not even participating if it meant he had to give up something. And oh my goodness, that's the first thing you have to give up. So it's often when you start to dig a bit and you watch stories, you get to a point where you're like, I'm not doing my job. I'm not helping you unless we have the truth. The thing that's interesting about this that happens over time, and it should happen over time, is that even though my tolerance for lack of truth is less, my compassion to try and deliver the message when I know it is going to hurt somebody and frighten them. And I've had to tell a woman once that I was like, oh my goodness, your partner is in a million dollars debt. He has sold your house. You owe that money too. I have, I saw it so clearly and I just watched her face go, like her whole life just crumbled in front of my eyes and her eyes. The compassion in which you have to deliver that message has to equal what yep. you're delivering. Yep. It meant that I also had to hold her through that yep. time. I couldn't just go, and I've given you the message and see you. Later. So much of what we do is learning to speak the truth compassionately. And and that was such a big journey of mine coming into learning how to do this and learning how to read. I had like about two years of exploring the truth and truths coming out and practicing the truth and speaking my truth. Telling and, yourself the truth. And That's the big one. Yeah, because eventually I, I have to be able to sit in front of somebody and give them a hard truth with a lot of compassion. And it's a real skill. And there's some stuff, like even now there's some stuff that it's coming through. I'm like, I don't want to say that. It's not just about speaking the truth. It's being ready to hear the truth as well, isn't it? We often forget that, don't mm. we? I'm ready to serve it. I've done all my work and I'm ready to give it. And then all of a sudden you go, oh, my goodness, I actually have to learn to receive the truth. I always find a deep breath. When somebody's like, I've got something to tell you, I'm like, let's sit down. 
what is it? Yeah, that's great. And it's like, what are they saying? What's the fundamentals of this? What am I feeling? Get the feelings out. Wait 48 hours and then sit with it and say, what can I learn from this? And what is true for me? And often you'll get softer and softer and softer as you can sit with it more and more. But you're right. That initial, oh, is, oh my God, we go back to when we're seven. I've done something wrong. I'm in trouble. You defend, defend, defend. One of the greatest things I've learned in my partnership and marriage is to, okay, so is this what you're trying to say? Is this what you're feeling? What do you think might be the answer or the solution? How can we get to a win-win? And also to ask, I have something to say. Are you ready to hear it? Do you feel mm, like you're ready to hear it? That is a great question. And also, I'm not really ready to hear this at the yep, moment. I'm yep. still angry with you about this morning. If you give me a sleep. Yeah, I, but I need a bit of time. I will come back to you. I want to hear what you have to say. Yep. The listening of truth, my God, it expands you as much as the telling of truth. Yep. It's really powerful. Yep. When we did the, in your EMP, when we did the truth letters, that was really interesting in that you get three people who you are in your life who you trust. Mm. You give them the opportunity to tell you some difficult truths about yourself with a lot of love mm. and then you do get like you've got three different responses to the questions. Yes. So when I did it, if like sometimes two of the three would come back and say exactly the same thing, Curie, you have no boundaries and you constantly step over mine. And I had to be like, yes. yeah, okay, yep, nope, that's true. Yep, yep, no. But then some yep. of the things you come back, you do again get to go, all right, I see a different truth in here. Yes. And I'll put it on the table. I see, I can understand why you're saying this, but I separate yeah. it and step back a little bit. I'm not going to take that as the outright truth. I'll hear it, yes. but I'll separate from it a little bit. And you do get to yeah. be discerning with the truth and it's really fucking hard. <laughs> and it's always why I sit with everyone while yeah. they're reading those yep. truth letters to start with. And I think it's great to learn to put the truth out on the table in front of you, not take it in. When you hear it, I'm going to let it sit in front mm-hmm, of me mm-hmm. and I'm going to witness it, like you said, from a distance, mm-hmm. work out what you're going to take in yep. and what you're going to leave behind. Yep. It is a really powerful adult lesson. It is leaving it behind. It's not throwing mm-hmm. it back. Those truths, I didn't go, no. you're wrong. And me, me, me. I was just like, you know what? I think I see a deeper, yeah, I see it. It's your truth. I accept it, but I'm not going to take the whole thing in for myself. These bits I definitely will, but these bits, going to leave a bit of space around that. This was hands down the hardest part of my transformation, spiritual journey of therapy, hearing and figuring out how scared I was of the truth, how scared I was to deliver it, how scared I was that you could be a little bit right, a little bit wrong, not all right or wrong, because it breaks apart your reality that you can defend your ego completely. You have to go, well, maybe they've got a point and maybe this is right and this is right. It's side by side. So big work, but this is really part of strengthening that space as well. And this is where doing a reading is very tricky and it's why I moved into teaching as well is that that truth is one moment but what does that person do once they have that truth? That's your karmic debt as well. And on some level there is some conscious understanding that I was the person that delivered the truth. I need to give you some level of capacity to cope with the truth I've delivered you. But one of the biggest spiritual empowerment moments is to be able to tell a truth that is not going to please somebody else because it's almost like you're breaking up with tribal consciousness tribal mind you're stepping into the power of the throat chakra and the third chakra you're reclaiming your base chakra and you're saying i'm so sorry this does not suit 
the principles by which the tribe is running but it is not going to serve the tribe it's not going to heal the tribe if i don't tell the truth now what the tribe's supposed to do and hopefully we'll get to this on our planet is that thank you so much for telling the truth Thank you for exposing what's going on, you know, the sexual misconducts and all sorts yeah. of things in the church. Let's let's change this. Let's not sweep it under the carpet. Yeah. Let's just give you a bundle of money and pretend it never happened. Let's actually make a change. But that's that's another level of consciousness that I'm takes does, a while to get to. Does truth affect timing? Yes, it affects healing and timing. Yes. So what happens is if you imagine every time you tell the truth, live according to your values, as hard as it is and you know you sit with it and you have to deliver it, you have to change something, you have to say, I'm not doing that anymore. I've had people go, I, the university course I'm doing is not my choice. It was actually a family choice and I realise I don't like it and I'm not going to make it I know, and like I'm four years in and $50,000 and yeah. But the minute you make that choice, the lightness yep. and the energy that comes it. back, it's actually like getting bolts of energy through your body because that you've unblocked all the tangles. So as soon as we don't want to show someone something or we don't want to tell the truth, we twist it in and we actually make it small and we make sure it never comes out by going... Eh, 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 eh. And so you imagine you're putting knots in your energy system. As soon as you unknot the energy system, firstly, by telling yourself, secondly, by speaking it out loud, thirdly, by taking the action, and fourthly, by embracing the new flow essentially you've unblocked the pipes so things speed up healing can happen often opportunity will come in divine recorrection so you'll be like oh my god i broke up with my university course and my old identity and six weeks later someone will walk into that person's life and hand them you know a skateboard and say and they'll go i've always wanted to skateboard and they go come on tour with me you know it's like this bizarre thing that yeah it's back on track back in destiny back away from the archetypal world which is the alignment that we're seeking right like again i feel like our soul seeks alignment and telling the truth and standing in our truth gets us into alignment it gets us into authenticity and from there we can flow there we get to flow with the river we don't have to push upstream and try and stop the river and that's where louise hay and carolyn meese were coming from which was basically your biology your body is trying to show you yeah. what's going on in your energy. And if you can unlock your energy yeah. and change your biography, you've kind of got that mastery happening. I think that is true. I think on some level, illness is a call for truth. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be saved or come out and not pass away or not lose a leg or whatever it is. I'm not talking about being human construct of what we believe would be good or bad. I'm talking about the fact that it could be, it comes out to be an alignment. Soul alignment. It's the same in relationships when something just keeps on missing and it doesn't flow or something isn't working or, you know, it just feels literally like if your neck or your back or a body bone was out of an alignment it's going to keep coming up until you're going to feel it It, yeah and it doesn't just go away like if you slip a disc it doesn't just go away you've got to heal it right and if you've energetically slipped a disc because you're not in alignment in your relationship you're not in truth with yourself you need to um you need to alignment what about personal truth versus collective truth because there's all these different truths and I mean it's so interesting that we're talking about this because they say we live in a post-truth world and it really, we have really been 
in public discourse separated so much into our little camps where the truth of this group of people is completely different to the truth of this these people one separate event is seen through so many different eyes that it's like the truth is subjective not objective what about the individual and the collective truth yeah this whole concept of false truth and um you know fake news and Oh, it, it, look, if you, were to, if you were a series of angels sitting around, you know, what do they call them, the Council of Angels, and you're sitting around at the moment looking at humanity, moving into the truthful space of the age of Aquarius and thinking, how are we going to clean up this mess? I mean, it starts at the top, right? Social trust and who we choose to put in governance, who owns the people that give us the information. I think this is why people have such a conflicted, traumatized reaction to someone like Bill Gates. He's very powerful. He's not a doctor. He has a lot of money. So in some ways he speaks about things that doctors should be speaking about or pharmaceutical people who have studied this stuff. He's, it's kind of like privilege of finance has given him this voice. Personal truth really comes from the place of your value system from your childhood and what you were soaking in as a sponge in a chi- as a child and learning how to what you're going to take on from that and what you're going to leave behind. Collective truth is the truths that we build as one and they are vast and huge and massive but they usually center around human common human experience, love, death, um, betrayal, um, murder, uh, what's yours, what's mine. Like really, if you come back to it, I mean, that's the basis of the Ten Commandments. In other commandments in other religions, that's what you know. people say. There's actually universal links here. We're trying to come up with a series of principles by which we live our life by. And they change. Yes, but you can see why someone sat down and went, I think we need some principles here. Mm. And we do. We, we can't live on no principles. They do change and they do update those these collective truths. And I feel like we're in a world yes. where they're updating regularly. regularly. <laughs> like daily, it's hard to keep up. Do you know about yeah. deep fakes? No. Oh, so this is going to get interesting. Deep fake is computer technology that allows you to make a video clip of somebody doing something. And all you need is like a photo of them. And then you can be like, so you can take a photo of, of, get a photo of me. And then all of a sudden there will be, you can make video footage of me saying something truly abhorrent that I would never actually say, but it's a video of me there saying it. So usually we use our eyes to determine truth. So if I saw a video of you saying something abhorrent, I'd be like, oh my God, Lynette said something horrible. But in the future, you won't, you'll see a video of somebody doing something and you won't actually be able to say is it them? Did they do it? Now that they've denied it, so, it's going, it's going to be, and it's in the next couple of years that it's going to be mainstream technology. It's going to be wild. When you're, ooh, ooh, ooh. We live in weird times on so many levels, and especially on the level of truth and alignment at, at this time. Mm. Truth has never been more important, and it's never been more difficult to nail down, it seems, especially with the rise of the internet and social media and the gatekeepers of who's allowed to control the truth and not control the truth. As that's all radically changed in the last two decades, our collective truth has kind of got a bit jacked, for want of a better word. <laughs> yes, it has and we're been all, jacked. It's, it's rough out there, right? It's rough. And I, you know, this is actually something that people will take me off road for in a reading. They will Mm -hmm. start to just talk about, oh my goodness, can we talk about, 
you know, this theory that's going on or this truth or this election because it is troubling people so much that Mm. they can't work out what's going on. It's interesting because it's probably not just come out of the blue. I think that we have been, this has been an erosion of truth in our society probably really since the 60s but it was going on before that but it really consolidated around that time would you say it's an erosion of truth or it's more the revelation of control and manipulation and that there's never actually been a truth and what we told was the truth was just someone's version of the truth but it's not like we're coming from this perfect state where things have been destroyed it's like it was always jacked and now we really realize it Yeah, like you're saying, like back in the 20s and the 30s and the 40s, it was still not, we hadn't really made a decision about what our conscious and directed truth was going to be. It just kind of began to be this machine and and it's definitely out of balance. Mm. And in the JFK era, what happened was they had the beautiful um, moment where the official agreements were made about what happened and then the Warren report completely came in and went nah there's some holes here and it doesn't add Mm. up and I think it was one of the first times people started to get a feeling of suspicion and a whole sense of hold on why are we not being told the truth and even in Hollywood at the time there was a lot of shadows and black and white films so there was things in the shadows and there was things controlling society And so it did start to become sort of in the psyche that perhaps we weren't all being told what it was that we needed to know. And I think it was kind of fueled by the space race and other things like that because suddenly everybody was going to the moon, everybody was, you know, on their way and yet these images come out and America's flag is right on top of the moon And people started to like go, wow, that's amazing. But then people started to analyze that and go, hold on a minute. I'm not so sure if all of the data we were given was accurate. That doesn't necessarily mean it didn't happen. It just means that maybe there was manipulation around the images people were shown. And possibly even more than JFK was Vietnam. Yeah, because. People were being given numbers that didn't add up back then. Yeah. And there were massive demonstrations. The people did not want to go to war and yet they went to war and it was this massive awakening that the government wasn't always going to do what the government was told by the people. The government was going to do what it wanted to do and I think that's an inherent wound And also in that war, it was about conscription and it being mandatory for young men to go. My father actually was saved by a day from getting on a boat to being conscripted. So it's interesting how that is in the psyche of this time as well because Mm. that inherent distrust didn't get resolved. So this experience of people looking at governments thinking – something's not adding up, probably started a long time ago. But it was mm. squashed over and over and over and over again until I guess we ended up at a point now where it's so clear that we have been gaslighted on many, many, many things. And I don't get angry at people anymore who 
are believing really extreme things because I can understand how they've got there. They may have even come from a gaslit family where the truth wasn't told and it was manipulated and turned around on them. So if you've been in that and then you're looking at this world and you watch people like Jeffrey Epstein get off after clearly hundreds and hundreds of victims have come forward with the same account and he just turns around and even can die in a prison cell where the cameras are off and he was on suicide watch and then he wasn't. Even that is ruled as a suicide and people who did his autopsy are saying, no, 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 there's no way the noose mark can be down that low. There's no way that bone breaks and the other one in these places. It's definitely a homicide It's like people get so confused they have to work it out for themselves and, of course, they don't have all the information. So this has been coming for a long time, I think. Yeah, yep. And I think there's like there's degrees to these conspiracy theories that we're really swimming in at the moment, especially in the new age world that we're in. Have you heard the term conspirituality? No, I have heard another term similar to that, but that yep. I love that. That's yeah, great. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? And it's this idea that at the moment in their health, wellness, healing, crystal communities, their conspiracy theories are really, really taking off, maybe in a way that they haven't in the past, yes. and that this odd thing is happening where really far left people and what they believe about the world is starting to r- align with what really far right people so your yoga teacher might believe exactly the same things as alex jones believes yeah or kind of all of that that kind of hasn't happened i've noticed so i'm super Mm. interested in that but i'm also really interested in what goes on below that because i think in terms of belief conspiracy theories and thinking that the government is out to get you Aboriginal people in Australia have always known that the government is conspiring against them and this is is out to get them and denies their truth Yeah. So it's a very different thing for me, little Whitey, over here to go, I think the government is out to get me. Because are they? Or are they busy repressing that person over there? Like it's complicated. Well, is it all of it? And and yeah, it is so complicated and we have to just take a big deep breath and Mm. try and work through it because also the far left New Age movement and this right movement you're right I've had people write to me and say Donald Trump is a savior don't you get it you're writing about Jeffrey Epstein so much of that lately from the most surprising sources Mm. it's shocking to me and, and I was shocked because when you look at like something like the filthy rich documentary that talks about Jeffrey Epstein's journey in life and how this has been an absolute you know cover up and horrible um experience of not keeping justice Donald Trump is in many 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 of those photos as is Bill Clinton and Bill Gates Mm. and many other people who are not constantly named by the way so Donald Trump is no savior I, I think we need to be clear that you you can see that there is some element of truth going on that there is a pedophile ring there's an international pedophile ring yet when you look at it, you can't look at this and go, Donald Trump was in there doing good all along. <laughs> like, I don't think the man grabbing pussies is also <laughs> breaking down the pedophile ring. And so I don't know why people can't see those dots. They they tend to take the conspiracy theory all or nothing. There's yeah. no virus or there's 
total virus and yep. I don't want to, I'm going to vaccinate my dog and everything in my house. And it's like, could it not be a little bit of column A, a little bit of column yeah, B? Yep. I like a little bit of facts in my conspiracy <laughs> theories as well. So the Catholic Church, worldwide abuse of children, total. That was a conspiracy. 100%. That wasn't even a theory. That was a conspiracy. Yes. But there's facts to back that up. That yes. has been proved now. Those stories yes. have been heard. Not enough yes. people have been prosecuted. But that Jeffrey Epstein, exactly the same, hidden for so long, but the yes. facts are there. It's come out. Yes, so pedophile rings that exist across the world that harm children, absolutely. Is Chrissy yes. Teigen doing it? Is Lady Gaga involved? In the latest Madonna video where she's wearing a shirt and it's got a symbol on it, does that mean that she's showing her dedication to Satan? I don't think so. I just don't think so. So I think for me, that's where I really struggle with these conspiracy theories when it moves from here are the facts, here are the victims telling their stories, this is what we know, to hidden symbols and meanings and you've got to, like, Mm. dig for it. And I Mm. understand why some people find that very... um, almost soothing in a way it's like if you do your homework you can get the answers and even though the world is so scary at the moment you can find the answers and you can find the truth and you won't have to sit in the I don't know I am scared the modern world is terrifying what the fuck is going on I think what happens there is you feel like a digital soldier where you are Mm. uncovering the truth. Like it's actually Mm -hmm. become a a situation where we are the frontliners and the holders of truth on these digital media platforms. Now I'm, I'm, uh, it's very, very tricky. And we say that a lot, but it's tricky because we're not because... afraid to sit in the no unknown. I think it's no, important to no. sit in the And unknown. I'm also not afraid to go, there were hundreds of women trafficked and there are people who have not even been named on those flight logs and people should feel outraged and there is a conspiracy because that man and all the people associated with him should already be in jail. Like yeah. that should be a done and ago. he should be alive. Yeah when you look at it the, the like the fact that he got off so many times and they thought he was an informant on Wall Street and maybe that's why he got off Alex Acosta was involved he became Donald Trump's right-hand man at one point you can understand why people get confused yep. and yep. you can also understand why they are outraged to watch hundreds of women come forward and tell their story all the same and it not be taken to justice is outrageous and shows conspiracy shows conspiracy by governments to not value or believe women and vulnerable people including children like that is not even a theory that is a conspiracy that exists yes and we have been gaslighted Mm. throughout Mm -hmm. history thing is there are lots of examples that people can go back to so it's not as simple as saying to people no trust everything Mm. because there is no way that you can look at the history particularly over the last 20 years and not see that people are trying to scream that there is something wrong with our structure yes in regards to race but in lots of other areas as well so for example the movie who stole the electric car and that was all about how we had the technology a long time Mm. ago to get off fossil fuels Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. to make these electric cars and gm motors actually took the patent and buried it Mm. we've also seen thank you for not smoking and that was a film about how the tobacco lobbyists basically hoodwinked the you know the advertising PR world and yes knew their product was causing cancer but just went along selling it we've seen and the band played on which is all about 
patent races and who owned the understanding of what the HIV virus was doing. And in the meantime, they knew how it was transmitted. Like thousands of people died because no one could get over this pharmaceutical debate and who was going to own the name on that. And so basically it meant that the public were left in the dark for a very, very long time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's phenomenal information coming out. I mean, there's that book, The Altar Boys, and that is a recent account of how many people ended up as collateral damage from the lack of power and justice that should have been served in those experiences that's it's a recent book it's only just come out we'll put it in the show notes we'll put all of these in the show notes it's called altar boys and that's all about the systemic abuse of trust in the catholic church yeah there is argo which is a ben affleck film and it was all about how they the cia got american hostages out in 1980 by building an entire movie set like we are talking they made it look like there was a whole film going on. That's why they were allowed there. And yet they were smuggling mm-hmm. people out. So mm-hmm. there's incredible capacity on these levels to create scenarios for people to believe in a certain reality in order to attain a certain goal. Then there are other films like the recent film with Kira Knightley who played Catherine Gunn. And she was the person who, it's called Official Secrets, mm. and she was the person who took the email and intercepted an email that said that the US were trying to lobby people in the UN, certain countries in the UN, to vote for the resolution of invading Iraq and basically led the entire world to go to war. Now, that film, if you haven't seen it, it's amazing to watch because she had to use her throat chakra and decide to use her throat chakra and basically nearly cost her everything. But what's fascinating was that the government were wrong and they were lying and they actually dropped all the charges because if they pushed the charges, they would actually have had to be open to have been creating a war that was illegal. And so if you've lived in this time and that was something you watched 9-11 go down and then you rallied and people took to the streets, but it didn't make any difference. It was fait accompli. It had been decided. And I think that is what people are feeling now. They feel that these decisions are not being made with them. They're being made for them. And no matter how many times they protest, no matter what they do as a collective that says this is not the way we want our world to go, it is as though it is going to happen anyway. And there are plenty of examples in that. Even back in the day where Matt Damon appeared in a film called The Informant and it was all about price fixing and how that created the world economic collapse, I think... People are clever and they're critical thinkers and I don't think that always what is considered way out there in in conspiracy, the truth has been lost Mm. in some way. It's almost like easy to go, oh, it's all crazy. And I don't think it is all crazy. And if you sit and you watch those movies over a couple of weeks, I think it's really disturbing. I think there is a, a feeling in our third chakra that says, I don't believe I'm safe and I need to find a way to get safe. And I think one of the ways people are doing that is, Mm. yeah, probably looking online and and reaching for their own answers and it's very easy for that to become politicised and manipulated. Yep. 
And if you've been a child that's had to protect your own truth mm. and protect your own power and survival, you're not about to look at this government and think everything adds up. Yep. A woman said to me the other week about the mask. She said, here's the thing. I wear a mask to be polite. I'm doing it. But Lynette, I'm furious because in the beginning we were given 50 reasons why masks didn't do anything and not to go out and buy them and not to wear them. And she said, I'll never forget it. And now suddenly stockpiles must be fine. And why didn't they come out and say masks may do something, you can get a scarf from Mm. your house, but we ask you not to go and buy and hoard. If the truth was exchanged in the beginning, Mm. people would be less sceptical down the track. But then that's so interesting as well, isn't it? Because we are in unprecedented times. Mm. The Australia healthcare body has not dealt with a pandemic, aside from something like AIDS, Mm. which they handled really badly. Um, So there hasn't been a pandemic in Australia that the government has had to deal with. And yeah. so, yeah, they've kind of making it up as they go along, yeah. which at one point meant that you, you don't need masks. Now we've decided you do need masks. Yeah. But it's interesting, isn't it, that not only in these difficult, troubled times yeah. do we want an answer, we want a definitive answer, and we want it to not change. And that's – I don't know that that exists. And that's what truth is. It's It, re- it remains unchangeable. Well, I think Does it, it is – though? Well, it – you have to think about this in Nothing your own... is unchangeable. Nothing is forever. No. So if you're sitting in front of someone and saying, I want to be with you, I want to be in this relationship with you, this is where my heart is at the moment, and you come back later and say, I know I said that, I've had a change of heart, these are the reasons why, but when I said that to you, I was honest, mm. I think people feel that. But if you come at it and people go, hold on a minute, the the numbers are not adding up. Like I remember listening to a podcast with Tim Ferriss and he was being really clear about how intense this was going to become and he was adding it all up and had experts on going, We're being this is being downplayed and it was downplayed. And then mm. it became really important. And then I think it's very hard to turn around and motivate people that are already feeling unsettled and skeptical of our current structures to actually believe in you if you're not willing to tell the truth and keep Mm. changing that truth and standing in that. And that's actually Mm. one of the things that I encourage in the next generation is that it's okay if you've done something, we need to work it out. Like, please don't hide it and think that's powerful. Yeah, But you look at most of the people ruling our planet, they are wounded children who have done no inner child processing work. Oh, my God, are you going to read the Donald Trump book that his niece wrote? I'm kind of tempted to, but I don't know. Like, I kind of want to understand his psychology and his family wounds and his ancestral healing that needs to be done a little bit more. But I also don't know that I can sit there and go into that so deeply. Oh, I look at all of them. Other than AOC, I, I at the moment, I look at all of them and think, right, we need a total refresh. Like- yeah, out with the old, in with the new. Penny Wong. I love Penny Wong. <laughs> Maybe she could give us some some vibes, but the you know, there really isn't anyone in there that I don't see that childhood trauma and lack of processing mm. around. We are all at the moment, the way I see the whole the whole society is 
We're like children of narcissistic parents who have been gaslighted to the hill. We've been told blatant lies. We've been told stuff that even when you prove it, you know, nothing's been done. We've been, it's been twisted. We've been, you know, torn down. We're worn down. We've been told it's our fault. And to me, the conspiracy theories that are going on at the moment are all about the fact that we are trying to formulate some internal understanding of what our truth is. I think it's very interesting with Black Lives Matter and the protests because people felt that as truth and they've taken to the streets and gone, that's true for me, even though there was a whole lot of conspiracy back end around that as well and where it came from. People were there because they felt that as truth. I've been thinking about it a lot, what it means when you stand in a unpopular truth when you are the scapegoat when you stand in your truth and nobody wants to believe you for maybe your whole life and then all of a sudden everybody believes you like black lives matter there have been so many black activists who have been working for so long to highlight the inequality to highlight the injustice to like really make it clear that structural racism exists and needs to be taken away and dismantled and so many people didn't believe it until like last week where a whole bunch of white people were like oh my god you're right shit what are we going to do about it? Yeah. And so I wonder what that does to somebody's energy when you spend so long standing in the truth and you are disbelieved and then yep. all of a sudden you are believed. Well, that's why making amends properly is so mm, important. And it's not yes. just about saying, sorry, yeah, 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 I think you're right. Yep. It's yep. about saying, and now what can we do to mm. reimburse you for the energy and the time and the power mm. it's taken while I waited yep. to catch up? Yep. That's our hard part. That's the hard part. Yeah. You know, people are trying to work it all out. It's going to get more messy before it gets to be in a place where we think we're doing it well, I think. Put it this way. It's like we've grown up with an insecure attachment. We do not know our parents are telling the truth. I mean, mm. you and I both reject Scott Morrison as our Australian father. We have we have adopted Jacinda as our great aunt who lives in another country and we live vicariously through her. I can see that in America as well. People are like, who do I vote for? I'm not sure. They all suck. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> That's not funny considering it's 100 days away and, you know, and people are saying, oh, my goodness, you know, if this gets crazier... We're going to have the alien revolution, which is that experience. Surely that's coming in September. Surely that's already been scheduled and it'll be here real soon. Hasn't the Pentagon just released images of non-human carriers? They keep drip feeding us this year, don't they? I feel like they are leading towards something. (laughs) It was not long after Trump did his, we should all swallow bleach to get rid of COVID. And then two days later, when that shitstorm was happening, they just released these UFO videos. And we're like, oh, look, our our NASA, Navy, whatever, American military pilots have this footage of UFOs. And they released it and everyone was kind of like, yeah, okay. And it was off the front page of the newspaper. It wasn't even on the front page of the newspapers. And the next day, everybody had kind of forgotten about it. And I was like, did they just tell us that aliens existed and nobody actually even cared? What? Yeah. And hey, 2020, if you're going to drop the fact that aliens exist, this is the year, people. Let's go. Well, because everyone's been like third eye roll, we already know they exist. And lovely try to deflect from the fact that, you know, create a dead cat in the media that we didn't tell everyone to potentially swallow bleach to kill COVID. 
there were also whistleblowers that created this amazing documentary called Unacknowledged. And it's all about how when the world's infrastructure is starting to shift, we'll announce that the aliens are coming to get us because you will trust your government like no other time in history if you think there's this massive external threat that you can't protect yourself from. What's hilarious is that humanity is so conscious. They're like, we want the aliens to come. They can't be doing a worse (laughs) job than we are. Also, when you said the aliens are coming to get us, I thought, oh, where are they going to take us? I'm in, as opposed to, oh, like this is going to be a Independence Day, Will Smith is going to have to save us kind of deal. (laughs) Which is what I love is that, while all of these controls and superpowers are creating these faux universal truths, humanity has been quietly sitting in their house, opening up consciousness, lighting their candles, praying to their own God, brewing their own brews, taking life back into their hands, connecting to their own alien forces. We don't need you, newsflash. We don't need you. We just need you to infrastructure society properly. Thanks. We'll take care of consciousness ourselves. I know, and we don't prepare for something like that where, like, you just give it to us. We'll deal with it. It's fine. You know what didn't happen? The world didn't explode when we figured we travelled around the sun. We dealt with it. It was fine. We discovered gravity. We dealt with it. Have you seen that movie, that documentary, Three Identical Strangers? No. Oh, I know of it, though. Is it, like, these Mm. triplets who were separated at birth and experimented on? Is that? Yep, and 100% just found themselves in the same area of the country and people said hey I thought you were leaving college and then yeah no I'm just starting but weren't you just here last semester but don't I know you yeah Yeah. and then they all meet by divine design and realize that they've been part of this horrendous experiment to see whether nature or nurture has a massive effect so that would like how much would that do your head in because then they're like conspiracies exist I lived through it it was my life Yep. But that that's like, mm. you know, any of this stuff where people are screaming, hey, this happened and this is how bad it is. I think that like even the Weinstein diaries through the Catch and Kill podcast, when you listen to the fact that they were stalked by Black Cube and they were like threatened with yep. death. And, and so it, many people knew and yet it didn't tip over into accepted truth criminal finally criminal case yeah how many women spoke for how long about that how like and until finally it was like oh yeah no we'll do something about it yeah no fair play we'll we'll start protecting the innocent and stop protecting the powerful that's what we'll finally do absolutely and you can see how this you know how i keep calling it like the bad narcissistic family where we've had Mm, an insecure mm -hmm, attachment mm -hmm. it's like Mum and dad are at the helm, or actually mm-hmm. dad and dad, really. Dad, dad, dad. <laughs> <laughs> yep. The patriarchy. And the patriarchy are at the helm. And, okay, so we say we bust over the international pedophile rings, we destroy patriarchy, we create a system where black lives are lo- no longer oppressed. How, how exactly do we do who's going to lead that like we still need governance we're imagining a new world aren't we and it's difficult to imagine a new world i keep thinking about at the moment the french revolution um they had to chop yeah that was messy they had to chop a lot of heads off for like a decade and then like they got napoleon at the end of that it was not a clean clear transition but a hundred years after all that shit went down, you didn't have to live a feudal existence under the king anymore. Like all of a sudden you had your life back. I, we're really living through the French Revolution now. 
And before the French Revolution, if you had have gone to a peasant and said, look, we could get rid of the monarchy, you don't have to live like this, they wouldn't have known what came after. It was all their experience. It was all they'd known. They were suffering from the repression, but they couldn't imagine what it would look like, what the structures would look like if that was taken away. And now it's just our everyday experience. We, We know what it's like to not have to live under feudal monarchy. I don't know what it's going to look like in 10 years, None but we'll get somewhere. Do. Yeah. Yeah. So funny, that just highlights how long I've been thinking outside the square of it all because one of my favourite films when I was little was The Scarlet Pimpernel. You know, no one knew who he was. It's not doing the gods, the Lord's work, is it? <laughs> a modern version of that is Anonymous. Anonymous is back. Do you know about Anonymous? He, Bits and pieces, yeah. Like yes. the Robin Hood of the mm. internet world. Nobody really knows who they are, where they come from, but they've been very, very strong in dismantling big moments where countries have been trying to launch something. They hack into their software and systems. We haven't heard from them in a while. So Anonymous has come out in 2020 and everyone's like, well, it must be big. Yeah, and I actually have a lot of women who tell me that they're secretly in fetish romance with Anonymous. So when they know Anonymous is back, everyone's a little bit happy. Wow. I would yeah. read that romance novel, actually. <laughs> I would definitely read that romance novel. It's probably well, already out there. I'll just find it. It is the Robin Hood of our time. You know, we're looking for someone to come in and undermine this system and expose it. Yeah. And I think that's also why these conspiracy theories are taking off. Mm, so I want to talk about our last episode. So our last episode was all about wisdom. Mm. And especially about not just having the information or having the facts, but having discernment. So when we think about conspiracy theories, when we think Mm. about how fearful and anxiety-inducing these times are Mm. and how wonderful it would be simply to have the facts and know the truth, how uncomfortable it is to sit in the I don't know and I'm scared – when we are presented with, when somebody presents a video to us or we find something that's like, here are your answers, it's all wrapped up in a neat mm. bow, this is the conspiracy, how do we bring discernment into that? Yes, never has that been a more important question. Mm. So it, it, I'd love to say again, the tr- you know the truth by the way it feels, mm-hmm. but pending your wounding and mm. pending your fear, that may need some disentanglement and I don't know the way anything feels this year everything feels fucked up yeah so here's the thing right I grew up with my mother's side it was medical and legal so they have very strong grounding in the world my father is more um out there and kind of um I guess those two worlds come together so I actually believe in homeopathic medicine in terms of vaccine the vaccine I was getting in 1974 may not be exactly like the vaccine in 2020. So I can yeah. discern that I agree with medicine. I'm not going to not go to the hospital if I need to. I love um, the concept that we have medicine that can tend to our bodies. But am I going to try and discern what I feel about what's happening now through my system and my intellect? I probably am. So, for example, mm. we know it takes about three years minimum to really get an understanding of what a vaccine does to start to hear three major companies saying we've got a vaccine we're trialing it don't worry about it we're going to have it on the market asap that does concern me not because i'm a conspiracy theorist but because i've always known 
that it takes years and years and years. And we haven't found vaccines for HIV and Ebola and SARS. So all of a sudden this major X quotient that some people Mm. were working on, we have that now. That does concern me. And there's all these things that you think, well, why throw fuel on the fire? Why say we've signed a deal with Oxford without telling us any more reasons about it with the vaccine? Like why not explain more about how that can be done quicker? And also why even mention that it has to be mandatory and that you're going to take people's liberty away through their family tax benefit or whatever? Like Mm. why even do that at this point? What if Mm. thousands and thousands of people want to line up for it anyway and then have to backtrack two hours later and say, oh, no, no, we're not going to hold people down. Mm. Well, I should hope not because we're a democracy. And, like, just quickly, thank you to the people who are doing the human trials of that. There are people on earth right now who are like, inject me, let's go. I'll take one for the team. We need to figure this out. Chuck it in my arm. I'll take a shot. I I wouldn't do it. I'm in awe. Thank you. Thank you, human guinea pigs. Thank you. Yes. I mean, that is big, right? There are people who are Mm. lining up for this stuff and – and mm. not all the technology is the same. So the Oxford University vaccine is not the same as the one from the University of Queensland, yep. is not the one yep. from same as Pfizer. These people are literally throwing their bodies open and going, I'll be first on the line, on the roller coaster. Do you know what I heard the other day, actually? And this blew my mind. I heard that because of where Australia is in the world and we get winter that year before the rest of the world mm. gets winter that year, that they kind of use us as the human guinea pigs and that the the flu vaccine for the rest of the world is kind of based on what we all got sick with. They're like, oh, yep, this is the strain that's ripped through Australia this year. Later in the year, it'll rip through the rest of the world. Um, This is what the vaccine is. Also because we probably have the high man of backpackers that come over Christmas. But I was just like, (laughs) we are the human guinea pigs. Oh, my God. Uh, You know, how do we get to a point of transparency? I'm not sure. But how do you get to a point of discernment I don't think, and I've said this about, you know, certain governments, suddenly a pandemic doesn't come and the government's ideology doesn't change to change, care for their yeah, people. Yeah. And I think They don't all of a sudden that, decide they care, do they? Yeah, like when they were like, oh, we're defunding the ABC and slashing all these jobs. I went, that shows us that you're not yeah. really in alignment <laughs> with social yeah. values. So I'm yeah. not sure. It does, people do join dots that perhaps maybe they need to be more thoughtful of. But when you're discerning, I think you do have to take a certain amount of information from a long period of time and then sit with it. And then some. this is where it makes some people uncomfortable, but you do have to make the decision based on your core belief system. Mm. And my core belief system and your core belief system are not always going to be the same. Mm. So everybody has this different radar inside. Yep. And if you're struggling at the moment, like if you are in this world of conspirituality and you are finding your way through it, especially if you um, have been presented with something and you're trying to discover and understand, and I don't even want to say, is it real? Because reality is so subjective, but there's a few guidelines you can use, a few questions you can ask yourself to help you sort through the data. One of them is what's the source And is it a reliable media organization and is it backed up by other sources? So this is one thing that I find interesting, this idea that all of the media is in conspiracy. I I worked at the ABC for so many years. I know so many journalists. I can guarantee you they're not, that there's not some worldwide sister and brotherhood of journalists where they're all in it together. Like that's all slightly too organized, quite frankly. Well, maybe not in Australia, but 
that is not necessarily true all over the world. I mean, mm. we know that the stories for Harvey Weinstein and Donald Trump and many other people were what we call catch and kill stories where people are signing disclosure agreements and getting paid money and so that story gets buried. Yep. We know that if there isn't enough official evidence or it's against a Government Secrecy Act, then you can't publish yeah, it. So yeah, definitely. No, I don't necessarily know if all the media is doing that, but unless the media is on the public side and mm. the media is asking the questions of these organisations that we need them to ask, then they're not unbiased. And the truth is that 90% of our media, 99% of our media is governed by white Anglo-Saxon males. So yes. that is a particular persuasion of perspective yeah absolutely. and so yeah I, I I hear that but I do understand again why people are skeptical and looking for people to have a bit of grr about them not grr at these poor people who are asking the questions who are conspiracy theorists I don't know if we need to keep focusing on them why are we not focusing on the issues yeah do you ever wonder at this point why we don't hear every day from really radical social economists who would have great theories yep. about how we could rebuild society and yep. use this time yep. why are they not on our screens mm. yeah and so looking for various sources like not just going from one source is really good and like that's what google's for you you keep looking, you keep looking. Can I also say in that, Kiralee, one of the things I've really felt with the sources of media is look for sources of media who don't fill in the gaps or reiterate what people, major players on a certain topic mm. are saying yeah. as as their interpretation. Yeah. He, let's hear from someone like Judy Mikovits and let them talk so that yeah. people can hear these people mm, for themselves direct to source. because what yep. you're seeing now a lot like on television is we interviewed them and this is what we think about the truth we interviewed this person and obviously that's ridiculous whereas I actually would like to hear what that person had to say which is Unfiltered. actually why yep. some people have said oh you can interview me but I'm going to put the whole interview up on my own personal yeah. social media thing yep. so that people yep. can hear what I've got to yep. say yeah. Yeah. Great. So figure out what the source is. Uh, the second question is how likely is the fact? And that's okay. Mm -hmm. Like some, you don't have to decide that it can't be true just because it's a bit far out. Um, but the less likely the fact, the greater burden of evidence. And then you go looking for the evidence. Yes. So something like Jeffrey Epstein, I don't know, that seems kind of way out that some guy was just allowed to traffic women all around the world and no one cared. But then you go looking for the burden of evidence and it is there. Like there is yes. so much evidence behind that. Yes. Uh, third question, is there anything out there suggesting it's fake? Rather than looking for evidence to support yes. your belief, go searching for evidence against the belief and see what shows up. Like Hillary Clinton being incarcerated, um, open mm. wearing an ankle bracelet, you yes. know, yeah, all these go kinds of, Is there a yep. po oh, yeah? It is good to say. Is there a possibility that this may not be true? Yeah, yeah, and yep. sort of and go step looking. Okay, this seems a lot to me. And wait. I go look for evidence to support it, and I go to look for evidence against it, and I dig a little deeper. And then the fourth question is: Can you emotionally accept that your belief may be wrong? And mm. that might be something you really have. to to sit in for a long time. That could be the shadow work that this year is calling us to do. That might be coming to terms with the gaslighting you've been given in your life. Like that's where you take all the evidence and then you sit with it and understand what your personal response to that is and go from there. I love that. And also 
the the one thing that's really concerned me about this time is and I think I mentioned to you I had a client that wrote to me and asked me if the moon was real and yes. they were so confused by all these conspiracy theories yeah, they went to a yeah. yoga class and they were told listen don't sync up with the moon anymore it's not real it's a control mechanism this beautiful very intelligent woman was quite beside herself mm. and she said to me I need to ask you I don't want you to answer me as Lynette I want you to answer me in a channel is the moon real mm. I thought wow this will be interesting and what came out of it was interesting again it was well it, the data, the exact calculations and data about how far away the moon is and what it does and everything may not be real. In 20 years' time, the next generation might go, oh, we miscalculated that about the moon or we didn't realise that that shadow and that axis and that relationship was doing something different. But it doesn't matter right now. What matters right now is that you find enjoyment in the moon, you find rhythm in the moon it's working for you to have had a moon. It's not changing the world by you knowing or not knowing whether the calculations or whatever with the moon is not accurate. Please assume that the moon is just as it is and accept that in time you may know more, but right now you don't need to keep digging and you don't need to be worrying about the yep. moon. Let's yep. stay with some deeper principles. Yeah, yeah, yep. there's other things to be concerned with at this time. You don't have to worry mm. about the moon. Spoiler alert, it's totally real. It's completely up there. It's fine. And the, it's I fine. don't know if landing on the moon, the pictures are exactly, they don't No, I'm up, pretty but... sure we did that too. Like I have no doubt there. <laughs> really? Like I feel like it's fine. It's there. We went there. It's all good. Let's Never talk about like again. defunding the police and let's yes. talk about ending Bigger inequality thing. here on earth. Yeah, because I think that's one of the things they really talk about on the Conspirituality podcast is that this isn't about people being stupid or dumb no. or um, childish. It is about people being uncertain and anxious and seeking answers. And so it's not that's how you've got to come at it. It's like that's why it's this is so happening. true. It's, yeah. It's so true. And I really feel that it's come from being gaslit and seeing that, that nothing was done about that or it was left unattended or – yeah, yep. That it does touch into our wounds. Yep. That it touches yep. into our wounds. And so we're, yep. and you know, if we don't, there's two things that happen when you're under a parent that gaslights and is a narcissist. One is you take it out on yourself, which mm. is the most yucky part. But yep. the other is you just become a major rebel. And yep. so you can see in our world, that's exactly what's happening, right? You yep. just yep. revolutionary. But yep. it can get yep. to a point where it's a little bit unbalanced because mm. you can't have anyone touch you. You can't have anyone tell you yep. what to do. You can't yep. have anyone go, I don't know about yeah. that. Or, yep. yeah. And it can so. become unhelpful. It can be separating rather than unifying. Yeah, yeah and that's our key, yep. isn't it? We've somehow got to get back to a place where we can make this whole thing work together and be mm. non, non-divisive yep. somehow. Yeah. Yeah, that was one thing that we're talking about in the podcast as well that I found interesting was that – he was like, I'm an American guy. I'm in my 40s. This is the first time I have ever been asked to sacrifice something for other people. Because I'm 40. If I got it, I'd probably be fine. And yet I am being asked to sacrifice my entire way of life for people who, if they get it, they won't be fine. And I've never, my, my grandparents got asked to go to war. I've never been asked to do something like this before. It is new and weird and uncomfortable and I don't like it. And some people really don't like it. And Karen won't wear a mask. Like that what's that Brene Brown thing she talks about fucking first times it's a fucking first time still it for all of us like, first time. it feeds into like going home and wearing a mask 
might have been okay but then not knowing where my job's going to be and being told yeah, I can't go to yep. work and then yep. maybe needing to get a vaccine in order to be able to cross the border that might not so everything yep. starts to feed in that says yep. oh this yep. is really testing my boundaries and my liberties yep. and where yep. does that social responsibility over your own truth kind of end and begin I think that's challenging I mean I'm more like it doesn't hurt me to wear a mask it doesn't hurt me to wear gloves I'm not going to be going exercising in it and so none of those things really worry me I mean that's a very privileged place to be though yep and in saying that if you've been inside for nine weeks and you've got rent electricity gas school fees medical bills and there's no end in sight and who's going to keep paying for that then I understand why we need to keep questioning everything. What's the plan? Mm -hmm. What's in the Mm -hmm. vaccine? How are we going to do this? Otherwise, we're just at the mercy of these greater forces. And as we've discussed, we don't have a lot of inherent trust around how they've acted previously and in the past. Yep. And do you know, do you know one of the things that's interesting is when I was learning to be a teacher, they said you can have a really authoritarian class where you tell everyone what to do all the time and you only give them the information that you want them to have. But when you turn your back on that class, mm. they will rebel and yep. they basically won't even do what you were asking them to do on their own accord you can have a laissez-faire classroom which is like guys do whatever you want which quite frankly that might have happened on a friday afternoon with me <laughs> <Once or twice. laughs> but guys do what you want but what the message you're giving them is you're not safe you can't look at me for boundaries and safety mm. you need to look after yourselves and it's a certain form of reading of neglect and so kids stop caring for themselves they stop putting things in they stop creating things because they don't know that they're safe to do so and then you can have this middle classroom that is kind of like okay everyone this is the thing we're doing this is what we've got to achieve does anyone have some ideas about how we might do that can I divide you up can we get that done has anyone got something they can contribute fantastic didn't think of that let's bring that together so you kind of become the manager of learning and that's the best classroom and I feel like if you apply that to our society we've moved away from that wonderful model of being able to share the truth and work it out together and it kind of became a lie that we were living like that and I think that's what people are angry about and again I would argue that we've never been in that state of it being the classroom where the or like where the government is like we're in charge of helping you improve society that's what that's the role we facilitate the improvement of society I don't feel like that's the role the government's ever played it's always been about control and power but wouldn't it be wonderful if it did go that other way? That it wasn't like we're not trying to have a top-down situation. We're trying to have a bottom-up situation here. And people like Julian Assange and Edward Snowden, um, Citizen Four, and recently Edward Snowden put out a book called Permanent Record, another strong compulsory read if you're into this, yep. because I think it goes a long way into describing why People have legitimate concerns about what's happening with surveillance, power, Mm. uh, things being told and Mm. being made to be mandatory. It Mm. just didn't come out of nowhere and it hasn't – it's got legs because we've got something called the Secrecy Act and there are all these laws that we don't even know about that basically say – like in the movie I was talking about before, Official Secrets, where Catherine Gunn, played by Keira Knightley – releases this email to the press 
And the reason she's not allowed to do that is she's governed under the Secrecy Act. When they pull her in, she says, they said, you committed treason against your government. You work for the government. She said, no, I work for the British people and the British people are being lied to. And my job is to make sure the British people are safe. And they say, no, your job is to make sure that you work for the government. Now, when you've got such a gap around what that might mean, what is a citizen to do? Edward Snowden, these other, you know, superhero whistleblowers who are trying so hard to say to society, I know you don't want to see it, but there is something big going on. And if we keep vilifying them or we don't support and protect the ultimate truth, not the government truth, we are in trouble. There is no other way for us to learn that but to know that there is – Thousands of stories in history that are saying that that is not a good idea to hand over that level of power and truth. And obviously the more we're controlled, the less we can rally, the more ways everything we do online is seen, that becomes harder to protect ourselves against the machine that is protecting itself, Mm. which may not necessarily be directing its alignment where we want to go. Chelsea Manning. Anita Hill. Why are they not heroes for exposing mm. the fact that what we were being told wasn't because we were in danger. We weren't being told it because it didn't look fondly on the people who were in control and power. And until we're willing to go, shit, we made a mistake, everyone, we're so sorry. We need to come clean. We made a mistake. Things went wrong. Then our society will continue to be unhealed. Once again, if it's not treated sacredly with boundaries and... It's not going to be. Again, it comes down to the people governing us, the people giving us the information and those that help us work out what our ethical parameters are about things. When you look at lots of ethical studies, people do kind of know right from wrong. They know where the boundary is. Mm. We all need safe words. We all need boundaries. These are the big ethical committees that we used to have in Plato and Aristotle times and we'd love them not to be men, all men yep. this lifetime. Yeah, please. That'd be great. Please. Is trust the same as faith? Oh, okay. Faith is the rock. Faith is that you come back to the fact that the universal truths, the laws that are governed beyond any human, the karmic law, is greater than anything anyone could do to mask the truth. So faith is not in nothingness. It's not, oh, God, I just hope it's going to be okay. Faith is I know that no human can control the divine order, the good divine timing, the ultimate can't cover up the truth. And this is where Carolyn Meese talks a lot about the fact that we as humans struggle with this concept because we believe in human justice yeah, and yep. human timing for that justice. If faith is very much a word. Like faith is a divine thing is how we deal with the divine and trust is how we deal with it, the humans. Right, That's yeah. kind of the division, isn't it? Yeah. And where you get your power is when you put your trust in the divine over a human. So if something happens, you say, well, I feel like this is the way I'm going to handle it. This is how I trust myself to work with it. I trust that the divine order is going to take care of the rest. You kind of hand it over to a bigger system. You have to move out of the ego state and the desire for it to happen in front of your eyes 
Yeah, I just want my ego to always have, have exactly what it wants all the time. God. And it's tricky. Uh, you've probably had a lot of people come to sit in front of you like this too, but they really want that justice. They really yeah. want to see that person suffer. It is true as a spiritual teacher, you do sit and watch and think that that's not going to happen until you can let them go yeah. for their own comeuppance. Like, yeah. Otherwise, you're responsible for their karma. Yeah, and you don't want to be. Yes. You know, I always say I don't want to be anywhere near that when that happens. Yep. It's got nothing to do with me. That person is operating in a way that is out of alignment, untrue, has hurt me, others. But you know what? I choose not to be part of their karma. Yep, when it comes around, yeah, yep, leave me out of it. That's big, but to me that's like, oh, my goodness, I'm so free of it. I don't even need to worry about it. But for other people there is that deep desire to want to watch someone suffer the way they have. I'm, I'm, I think that's a tricky one to work through, particularly if it's been quite appalling. And it's tricky because sometimes you have to stand and it is your karma and it is your power to use your voice and make sure that you're untangled from that person and that your job is to deliver the truth. Yeah. So it's not a one-size-fits-all thing. And this is where that discernment yep. comes in and you have to really check in with yourself and say, whose truth is this? And if it is mine and no one else is listening, yep. then I karmically need to resolve myself out of this situation. And that's where we say blessed are the whistleblowers because – that's what they've done. You know, I don't think anyone goes, I love being this person. I know I listened to Rose McGowan and on the Catch and Kill podcast and I was like, that woman, what she went through, the pain she has gone through to have to speak up with those other mm-hmm. women mm-hmm. is enormous. Yeah, gosh, this is where our society is really trying to do some big learning at the moment. When we have crisis of faith, it's usually because the divine hasn't acted the way we hasn't wanted. Hasn't given me exactly what I wanted today, thanks, on time. Yes. I hate it. I hate it when I don't just get it delivered like a FedEx package. God. <laughs> yeah. It's also the concept that disappointment is that human energy that we're constantly trying to heal from being a child. If you were failed or unprotected or not sustained or you in any way neglected as a child or you felt a loss you're going to keep coming back to that disappointment until you learn to feel it for yourself. Yeah. So every time you get disappointed, say, this is what happened. This is why I'm disappointed. Let the feelings out and then say, how can I avoid that disappointment next time for myself? And usually it is, I'm not doing that for myself. Yeah. I'm not giving myself permission. I'm not claiming that power as my own. I'm fielding it out to someone else and hoping that they're going to make it okay which usually they can't because other human beings are not responsible as we get older and become awakened adults. And often it's, often we don't even tell them that that's the deal. We haven't even agreed that that's what they're doing for us. We didn't tell them about it and then they can't do it and then we're disappointed. It's, um, it's a vicious cycle. Gosh, it's such a big topic, isn't it? These things are really big because how are we going to have faith in each other, I think, going forward too as a collective it's one of the principles I really try to live my life by. I trust other people to care for their shit and I expect them to trust me to care for mine. So yeah, like vaccinate, don't vaccinate, like paint your face purple, like do whatever you want to do. I don't give a shit. Leave me out of it. I trust you even if I don't get it, but I'd also like you to offer that to me as well and let me make my decisions for me. And you trust you, I'll trust me. And then we can all get along together. Then you're not telling me what to do. I'm not telling you what to do. And we don't have to come for each other. We can just be like... 
Yeah, yeah, and it's being, it's having the faith that we can have the conversation mm. and not agree or get frightened or be tearing down our own reality and needing time to deal with that and know that that's part of this process. I don't think it's a, it's a one-step process. I think we've got a huge journey to go on this and it's only through sitting with each other and sitting in the uncomfortableness that we actually get to the truth of where we need to be now and to make new decisions. Yeah. So that when the aliens come, we're ready to go with them because <laughs> <laughs> we've come into alignment. <laughs> well, you know, it's one of the funny things about that documentary and Unacknowledged. Someone sent me the link and I turned it on and I was going, oh, my God, aliens. And you know what? It was so something someone had said to me before, but it was all about how the alien, there is this alien tribe who is actually trying to stop us from destroying ourselves and the rest of the cosmos. And I was like, oh my goodness, we've always been told this story and shown these really spooky little beings that are trying to destroy everything. Yeah, yeah. And yet there is a whole group of wondered beings that don't even live on this planet Earth who go, no, you guys, you have an effect on everything else. And if you set off nuclear weapons, it sends something through the cosmos. Could you please stop doing it? Could you just not? I know it's the difference between coming to get us and coming to get us. God, such a big topic. All right, what are our takeaways from today? When we get into alignment, trust, truth, authenticity, just those massive topics, what did we learn today? Things move quicker when we are able to Mm. work through our own issues around truth and trust. And we get into that power to use it then. We're in the driver's seat. Yeah, trust yourself first. Put your trust in yourself and then put it in other people, but um, keep it with you. Yeah, and trust your body. Trust how people yeah. what they tell you, but trust your body, how you feel when when yeah, they're telling the you. Gut feeling. Mm. Yeah, and the truth is that there's a divine order and a divine mm. law and yeah. a divine series of frequencies that have been working and holding space for a very long time. The light is light. The dark is dark. It's always been ordered. It's always had a function. And if you can sit with the bigger order being in control, not yourself then essentially most of the time you can surrender to that flow and you can trust that that's what's going to carry you rather than having to worry about all the details all the time. Yep, yep. To come into alignment, figure out what your values are, do a bit of research, figure out what your values are and live in live in them, live in them. Step into them and live in them. It's okay to dig to get the golden nugget. Yeah. And once you find your golden nugget, you're like, oh, okay, that was big, but yep. No, at least I've got my golden yeah. nugget now. At least I know what is real and what is true and I've got the sides. I think living in a faux world of or a world where you were unconsciously told that things were the way they were and you weren't allowed to yeah, question yeah, them, yeah. you were actually living in a very frightening world yeah. because you're not in any control. Yeah. It's, it's through the exploration that you become, in, you come into power. Yeah. And in regards to collective truth, I think it's about not turning on each other when we don't have the same understanding or the same truth, but asking a lot of questions. And it's also looking towards leaders and people that treat the most vulnerable properly. I think that what's been happening is that we have lost Mm. inherent trust in the nature of goodness and we have been confused but I think if we come back to looking at what people are doing and what leaders are doing to the most Mm. vulnerable to 
you know, the people in neighbouring countries around them mm. or to those that they could impose power on. We're going to see very quickly who's misusing power and who is holding a sense of honourable divine truth for all human yep. beings. As individuals, we can do so much. We can use our voice. We can donate to causes that are protecting the vulnerable. We mm-hmm. can rally. Mm-hmm. We can say no to things using our democratic rights and votes and yes. things like that. But really we require the whistleblowers and yep. the media and yep. the watchdogs and yep. the ethical committees, the independent, well, supposedly independent organisations that are meant to be vetting the alignment of the government and the mandates of the government. Mm. And that requires them to ask the questions that the public need them to ask and not just stick to the narrative or the preferred narrative that the government would want them to disseminate throughout the community. And that's going to be really important. As singular citizens, we can't do anything about that, but we can start watching news and media organisations that are doing that and choosing them over organisations that seem to be just sprouting the same thing or government-chosen pharmaceutical representatives and scientists rather than independent scientists or rather than independent, you know, more out-there economists. We Mm. need to hear from a lot of people coming from a lot of different places with a lot of different ideas to solve this. And I think people are getting on to that and I think we're going to find that there's a tide shift around that as well and you know look the truth is stranger than fiction sometimes yeah totally and we're all digging for it at the moment we're trying to find that feeling of deep internal sense of the golden nugget yes but if you find yourself googling and getting to a place where you have lost hours and hours and hours to that energy and you aren't giving your own alignment and your own structure and your own life enough energy then there's something out of balance absolutely most powerful personal revolutionary act you can create at the moment is to be in your truth in your power in your autonomy able to be in that space for discernment when the moment and the time comes it's not to be giving yourself and your power away as a digital soldier all the time Mm. to things that are not actually making any difference. So if your action or your knowledge or your awareness is actually going into something or it is defending or it is protecting something and it is having a direct impact, then that's worthy. But if it isn't and it's just a whole lot of chatter, chatter, me, 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 then pull the energy back and give it to yourself and use it for your own life and your own world power and that is going to make the biggest difference to your alignment Mm. and to the world's alignment. Yes. Hey, Al, what's your what the world needs now for this week and for this particularly uh, potent topic? It is true, isn't it? Well, you know what? I'm actually going to offer some suggestions about deep diving into some of this stuff if you haven't ventured that way um the filthy rich documentary about jeffrey epstein is very good it's just concise it just gives you a very clear reason why people are very upset about it um the catch and kill podcast by ronan farrow is fantastic around the book is great too it Mm. is amazing and it really talks about how information is buried and how that stops the course of justice and the other one is 
sorry, just one second there. One thing I really liked about that was him admitting that he hadn't accepted his sister's truth and that he was made uncomfortable by his sister's telling of her sexual abuse by their father. And at the time, he had a very different reaction. And many years later, he went back and apologised and was like, I'm sorry, I was prioritising my comfort over your truth. And I thought that was very interesting that that got bought into it and a really important part of the conversation to have. So powerful because that's Mm. what's happening to our society. It's exactly the point in motion that because he was able to say, I wasn't ready to accept that truth, Mm. I didn't want it to be real. Once he did, there was healing. And I read so many families who are, you know, parents feel um, to blame, children feel guilty. And it's like if we can all just talk about it, we can move on from it and we can heal from it. But yeah, I loved that too. He's amazing. And the other one is a documentary by a woman called Brittany Kaiser. And it's all about Facebook and Google. And I'll put that in the show notes as well. And, okay, great. and, and that is, I think that's a good start. And the movie and the band played on. It's all about the competition for patents and vaccines in the time of HIV and how complicated that was. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mine is slightly more lighthearted by what the world <laughs> needs now. Um, I would like to recommend a podcast. It, oh my God, this was just, it's so good. It's called Debutante, Race, Resistance and Girl Power. And it's all about the secret history of Aboriginal debutante balls in Australia. And I grew up in country Australia. I didn't do my debutante, but everybody else did. Like it was a thing that happened at my school. Every, you picked a dress and you mm. got a partner and you learnt the dances and it was a whole thing thing Um, and it's a very white thing it comes from England it's a very colonial thing and yet it has really been embraced by the Aboriginal community here in Australia and there's a history to it and it's political and it's amazing and this podcast is just fantastic it's Nakaya Lu and Miranda Tapsell who host it and they are just funny and bolshy and smart and um and I am in love with both of them quite a lot and unfortunately it is behind a paywall so it exists on audible so um there's that but if you have access to it check it out debutante race resistance and girl power hey l where can i find you online I'm at myenergymentor.com www.myenergymentor.com that's me Great. And I'm Kiralee Lynch, Lynch.com. Come hang out. If you like what we do, and we know that you love it, then please rate and review us. It's so helpful. We are an independent podcast. We do not do advertising. We do not belong to a podcast network because we are a little bit indie, a little bit alternative, a little bit riot girl, and we like it that way. But it means that to get the word out, uh, we need your support. So if you leave a rating and a review for us on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, iTunes, wherever it'll help other people find us and the whole squad to vibrate higher uh hey l hey k <sighs> support you support you thank you so much for listening to our podcast the woo verse is recorded and edited by our incredible super producer dan zivkovic we love him And if this conversation has brought up anything for you or if there's any extra work you've realised you want to do around this topic, then please know that you do not have to traverse the woo-woo-verse alone. We encourage you to build a support team around you and to do what you need to do to take really good care of yourself because you're amazing. So be good to you.